Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got a question. What nicknames have you had? What were you called when you were a kid? Okay. Um, all right. So I've I had I don't really have many nicknames now, but when I was a kid, uh, people called called me Claytonius. I got nice. that pretty regularly. And then my really ye- reinforcing the nerd. Yeah, there we go. It's like it just the, the the ancient dignity of of that name, right? Um, and then I was called Mowgli, which I have no idea where it came from. But my youth pastor started calling me that, and that just oh, it was always what he called me. And my dad. And my dad only called me Beezer, and I have no idea where that came from either. But those were the three nicknames I had as a, as a kid. So, hmm. yeah. But Claytonius, that lasted for a long time. Yeah. There are so, still people who call me that, so. I just Googled it while you were talking. Mowgli is from the Jungle Book. It's from the Jungle Book. Oh, well, well, yes, I knew that. Know I just that. don't know the connection. I don't know why I was labeled with that. I was not. You were a wild child? I, but I wasn't. That was the thing. I, my long hair was, you know, as a young adult, not as a kid. And I was actually pretty well behaved. Hmm. Like of all people to select within the youth group, I was not the, you know, the kid who grew up among the wolves. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that that's what Mowgli was in that movie because I don't think I've ever seen the Jungle Book. <laughs> but you were your nickname was a boy who was raised by a wolf pack. That's right. Yes, yes, and was friends with bears and <laughs> you were raised by a wolf pack. Faced Shere Khan and all the rest. That yeah. makes zero sense. No, it makes no sense. We could request listener feedback on this of why anybody would think that Clayton was if, raised by wolves. If my youth youth pastor Rob is ever listening to this episode and you want to let me know why I was called that. After all these years, 25 years later, I would love to know. Yeah, Email us at podcast at biblesavvy.com. Exactly what I was going to say, Eric. What about you? What was your nickname? Okay, so from one of my grandfathers, he thought it was funny to call me Earache instead of Eric, and then uh, he would do the grandfather yeah. laugh. Uh, I was also called all of the Ferris names you can think of. So Wheel, Ferris Wheel, uh, The yes. Wheel, Bueller, of course. Um, so those were always in any... At any age, those were always used. And then one that stuck with me from eighth grade or so on for several years was a teacher was so frustrated with me one day that she said, you are like a mosquito and I just want to smack you. Oh, gosh. Ooh. You used to be allowed to say that. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's that 21st century teaching. And so, <laughs> so mosquito was my nickname Mosquito. for a good like from, three or four years. From, like from the, the teacher te- yeah, or, from the, the teacher? or other kids no, in the class? everyone picked up on it. Oh, oh so and they then, picked up. And yeah, the Mosquito okay. just... And you know how nicknames are. Like, it starts, and then it sticks, and then it becomes a nickname, and then no one really remembers how the nickname started. Yes. So yeah. for three or four years, from middle school into high school, I was Mosquito. Nice. Hmm. Nikki, what about you? Um. Well, I had a good one. Let's see if you can finish it. Nick, 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 Nick. Nickelodeon. There it is. There you go. <laughs> um, and then there was just the the boring version of Nick. They would just shorten Nicky. So real uh, creative. Yeah, very very creative. So that was mine. So people would regularly sing the first part of the Nickelodeon jingle. They would as your nickname. Yep, they would. That's, That's very long. It's long. <laughs> it takes a while. Yeah, yeah they would. <laughs> That's um, a commitment I think to they a thought. I think they thought that like it was like a form of teasing. Like if they like I didn't like it, but I didn't care. To associate you with a channel that everybody wanted to watch I, I when mean, you were that a kid? Was like, yeah. It was an awesome channel to yeah. watch. You know, I, like, so. I like wished we had cable so I could watch that. I was like, cool. Okay. 
All right. Well, we have uh, some listener feedback as well before we get into the passage. Clayton. Yeah, that's right. We got it. Oh, there it is. We got an email from uh, Jacob who listens, and he uh, heard our conversation about movies that ought to have a sequel. Mm -hmm. And when Eric said that he would watch as many Pirates of the Caribbean movies as they would produce, he emailed us a picture of a poster that he has in his new home. He and his wife have in his new home. Giant, uh, like, cinematic, like, movie poster, like, that would actually be up in a movie theater of one of the Pirates movies. So it 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 takes up the entire wall. It's It's a big. It's amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Jacob, who I happen to know he and his wife also have a new baby in the house. And Jacob, even though I'm sure he's having sleepless nights with this new baby in the house, listens to the Bible Savvy podcast and is a regular Bible reader. So good job, Jacob, sticking with your Bible, even though it's really hard as new parents to get some sleep and keep your sanity. Way to go, man. That's awesome. Hey, a random, random conversation I had today with, with somebody who was coming out of the Rooted program, I believe. And saw me in the hallway and told me that she is a new Bible Savvy podcast listener, listens every morning. So she's binge listening. So an episode or so every morning while she's making her breakfast. And I asked her, do we put a smile on your face? Do we make you laugh? And then she admitted, well, I got to tell you, I actually fast forward through the first several minutes (laughs) of every episode with all of our Nikki's question of the week and all of our banter. So it's it's okay. I imagine different strokes for different folks. So we would be interested in knowing from all of you who listen if any of any of you out there are like that woman and you would rather us not have any fun at the beginning of the podcast and just get right into the common method with the text. So I'd be interested in knowing how many of you would want us to not do the fun part at the beginning and you just fast forward through it. And I also wonder how many of you maybe just listen to the first five minutes You're and about then to bail build. once we get into the actual content. Like, so, uh, Jeremiah, wah, wah, if you I have any thoughts banter. on this, please, please, please email us at podcast at biblesavvy.com. Now, if you don't like our friendly banter, that doesn't mean that we're going to yeah, not I, do Yeah, it, so. who knows what will happen. Just know that. All right, Clayton, what passage are we getting into? All right, we are in Jeremiah chapter 50. This is the last week we are reading in the book of Jeremiah. This is a long book. In fact, it's the longest book by words in the Bible. So uh, congratulations for uh, working your way through this book. And in Jeremiah chapter 50, uh, we are going to get some kind of closing matters on the nation of Babylon, okay? So as we've been reading, we know that Jeremiah was sent with a message where he was telling Israel or telling the, the southern kingdom of Israel, which was called Judah, that they were going to be punished for their sin. They were going to go into exile. And the way God was going to do that was he was going to send the Babylonian empire in to conquer them and take them away. Now, in the scope of the whole message, that's kind of the function of Babylon. They're just the tool to be used by God to punish his people. But it leaves a question. When it's all said and done, you know, after they've been disciplined, after G- uh, God restores them, after uh, Jeremiah has done all the things, right? Like he's, he's given all the messages about this. People are like, but what's going to happen to Babylon? Like, after all of that, do they just kind of drift off into history? Do they just stay on top? What's going to happen to them? Because the people have experienced a lot of suffering at the hands of Babylon. And so there's a little bit of kind of a dangling thread of, like, is that okay? Is God just fine with using them that way? So we're going to see what happens here. Um, One tip before we get into the passage here, um, I would recommend when you get to the end of a, uh, a book of the Bible— 
One thing that's worth doing is to go back to some of that context information you might have picked up at the beginning, so like a Bible project video or even the the introduction to the study Bible, and go through that again because once you have experienced it, once you know it, uh, a lot of times it kind of puts all the pieces together at the end to see, oh, that's what it was all about. Um, I get it now. So I would recommend doing that uh, even before you you finish the book uh, this week. All right, Eric, let's read in Jeremiah chapter 50. Okay, reading from Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 1 through 20. This is the word of the Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Announce and proclaim among the nations. Lift up a banner and proclaim it. Keep nothing back, but say, Babylon will be captured. Bel will be put to shame. Marduk filled with terror. Her images will be put to shame and her idols filled with terror. A nation from the north will attack her and lay waste her land. No one will live in it. Both people and animals will flee away. In those days, at that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears and seek the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Zion and turn their faces toward it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over mountain and hill and forgot their own resting place. Whoever found them devoured them. Their enemies said, We are not guilty, for they sinned against the Lord, their verdant pasture, the Lord, the hope of the ancestors. Flee out of Babylon, leave the land of the Babylonians, and be like the goats that lead the flock. For I will stir up and bring against Babylon an alliance of great nations from the land of the north. They will take up their positions against her, and from the north she will be captured. Their arrows will be like skilled warriors who do not return empty-handed. So Babylonia will be plundered. All who plunder her will have their fill, declares the Lord. Because you rejoice and are glad, you who pillage my inheritance, because you frolic like a heifer threshing grain and neigh like stallions, your mother will be greatly ashamed. She who gave you birth will be disgraced. She will be the least of the nations, a wilderness, a dry land, a desert. Because of the Lord's anger, she will not be inhabited, but will be completely desolate. All who pass Babylon will be appalled. They will scoff because of all her wounds. Take up your positions around Babylon, all you who draw the bow. Shoot at her. Spare no arrows. For she has sinned against the Lord. Shout against her on every side. She surrenders. Her towers fall. Her walls are torn down. Since this is the vengeance of the Lord, take vengeance on her. Do to her as she has done to others. Cut off from Babylon the sower and the reaper with his sickle at harvest. Because of the sword of the oppressor, let everyone return to their own people. Let everyone flee to their own land. Israel is a scattered flock that lions have chased away. The first to devour them was the king of Assyria. The last to crush their bones was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land as I punished the king of Assyria. But I will bring Israel back to their own pasture, and they will graze on Carmel and Bashan. Their appetite will be satisfied on the hills of Ephraim and Gilead. In those days, at that time, declares the Lord, search will be made for Israel's guilt, 
but there will be none. And for the sins of Judah, but none will be found, for I will forgive the remnant I spare. All right, let's go on to the O in comma, which stands for observation. This is when we say, all right, what do we see here? What are the details that we notice? Uh, What do you guys see in this passage? Well, the first thing I notice, it's a long passage, but there's a lot of repeating words and phrases and ideas happening. So you've got, um, you know, God proclaiming and declaring uh, things through Jeremiah. You've got uh, the shame and the terror and the plunder and the punishment and the vengeance that's happening to Babylon. And then you've got, and then it kind of turns the corner and you hear Israel being talked about in terms of like shepherds and sheep and pastures and grazing. And it's just a lot of imagery there. My basic observation is things are not going to go well for Babylon. Right. Yeah. If the question being asked is, God, what are you going to do to Babylon? The answer is punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, I noticed in verse 7, it, it's, this is where the problem is, right? Like the, where the, the heart of the question is. Um, it, it talked about, you know, the, the people of Israel are wandering, and it said, whoever found them, that's Babylon, right? Like whoever found them, devoured them, and their enemies said, we are not guilty, for they sinned against the Lord. Right or they sinned against the Lord, their verdant pastor. So, they're basically it's Babylon can kind of look at themselves and say, "Look, we attacked these people, we devoured them, and it's we're not guilty of this because they're the ones who sinned." Right? Like if if what Jeremiah's message is saying is they deserve this, then Babylon can turn around and say, "Yeah, that means we did do whatever we want to them." Right? And so that's where the underlying question is: is like, is is it okay that Babylon did this? And what I find interesting is that uh, it, when it describes what's going to happen to Babylon, it's the exact same language that, as we've been reading for 50 chapters in this book, is what happened to Israel. Like the same, the, the stuff about shame and the stuff about being plundered and all of these things. Um, it even, at one point, I think, let's see where it is, verse 15, it says, do to her as she has done to others. There, there's a sense that Babylon was a tool, and yet uh, the same thing that Babylon was doing to Israel and perhaps other nations is now coming upon Babylon. There's a, there's a parallel to, to what they're experiencing. After 50 chapters of Jeremiah with judgment and verdict and the reasoning behind why God is justified in judging Israel, then you get verse 20 in chapter 50. In those days at that time, declares the Lord, search will be made for Israel's guilt, Mm. but there will be none. Mm. And for the sins of Judah, but none will be found, for I will forgive the remnant I spare. Wow. Mm -hmm. The amount of forgiveness he's describing here, if you just kind of tally up everything that you've, you've read through the first 50 verses of Jeremiah, or first 50 chapters, excuse me, and then say, wow, the Lord is going to forgive that. That's it's really striking. Yeah, that's uh, that's a profound. That's yeah. that's a, a moving verse. I would say. Yeah, that was uh, using that our our little treats, uh, comma method. You know the the theme the theme and the repeating words and truths about God and something striking. That was the something striking for me to to have that search will be made for Israel's guilt, but none there will be none. That that was just a beautiful passage to me. It reminded me of the of the beauty that. Um, we have through Jesus, that, that our guilt and our sins uh, through Jesus, uh, we're spared and, he, and we're forgiven through him. That was a beautiful uh, picture. Here's the other thing that I, I thought about, too, is um, like God goes after his sheep. Like that, that was a big one for me. My people, verse six, he said, my people have been lost sheep. 
Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. Uh, they wandered over the mountain hills and forgot their own resting place. Um, and he went, he went after them. Yeah, it's interesting to see that imagery. You're so used to seeing that with Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like say his most famous parables are things that, you know about sheep and that sort of thing. And so the idea of Jesus being the one who has a flock and he leaves the 99 to search for the one, like that's the characteristic of God even mm-hmm. before that, you know? And and probably the people who are hearing Jesus, they had in their mind passages like this where they're saying, oh, like even people who have sinned against God, even people who r- genuinely deserved the punishment that came to them, people who had wandered in ways that w- were really a problem, this is a God who goes after them, who still cares for them, who mm-hmm. seeks them out. You know, there's there's a lot of richness to that. I, yeah, I love that. I was I was laughing. I was reading this passage and it came to my mind. I don't know if you've ever seen that, like those memes where videos of like farmers going and like pulling sheeps out of trenches and then it like it gets out and no sooner than it's released like it hops and it gets it right back, back in. into the trench again and i'm just like st- stop going back in the trench yeah <laughs> like, for sure that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week sometimes we get frustrated about the things we don't understand in the bible that's understandable and okay but there's also a better way Instead of focusing on what you don't understand, focus and appreciate what you do understand. And that's one way the comma method helps. As you make observations, think about a message, and try to apply it to your life, you're focusing on what you do see and what you do understand. And as you stick with being a consistent Bible reader, your understanding continues to grow over time. And this has been your comma tip of the week. But now I have a question about something that many people listening or reading this chapter may not understand. Hey, Clayton. Hey, Clayton. Yeah, what's what up, guys? What the heck is this reference to Bell and Marduk? Who are they and why does it make any sense? Well, they're an indie band from 2003. Uh, Bell and Marduk, no. Um, <laughs> all right, children, gather around. <laughs> Let me tell you a tale. It is called the Enuma Elish, and it begins way back in the dawn of time. Apsu and Tiamat are the only gods to exist. They are the fresh water and the sea water, and they love each other. And together they have offspring, and these offspring are chaos and noise. And they annoy their parents so much that Apsu, the father, wants to slay the children, but Tiamat, the mother, hates this plan. And so she fights against Apsu. And, well, okay, I won't go into the whole thing. But basically, here's what happens. <laughs> Keep going. I was, I was really intrigued. <laughs> basically, here's what happens. The ancient gods of Babylon um, are getting into a, a war, basically, over this conflict. The children are noisy. The older generation doesn't like it. And they are divided on what to do with it. So they go to war. And the champion that ultimately ends up fighting Tiamat, the sea monster, who is the mother, is a guy named Marduk. He slays the sea monster um, with her carcass, forms, you know, the world and the sky and all the things that are there. And out of her guts um, and the guts of the other slain gods, they create human beings and make those human beings to be their slaves so that they can serve the gods and they can finally have some peace and quiet. And this is the story that Babylon told about their beginnings. So basically, Bel and Marduk are two of the gods. Uh, Marduk is kind of like their their chief god uh, who they they worshipped, uh, kind of your, you know, your, your Thor, Zeus kind of figure in uh, Babylonian mythology okay so if we (laughs) reread by the way i'm really satisfied and impressed that he went into father telling a story (laughs) mode there about bell and marduk announce and proclaim among the nations lift up a banner and proclaim it keep nothing back but say 
Babylon will be captured. Bel will be put to shame. Marduk will be filled with terror. So now let me read that, knowing that story again. Announce and proclaim among the nations. Lift up a banner and proclaim it. Keep nothing back but say, Babylon will be captured. Even its gods are going to be put to shame by the one true God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't actually need to know that story to understand that. You just need to know that these are their gods that they're putting their hope in. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be put to shame. Yeah, that's great. Uh, another, let me let me highlight another detail that may be something that uh, uh, you wouldn't necessarily know. I, I I haven't checked the footnotes this time. I I usually do before we get in here. But um, when it talks about a nation from the north attacking uh, Babylon, two things to note from that. One is in the book of Jeremiah, Babylon has been described again in a, as a nation from the north. So they're north of uh, Judah. So they're the nation of the north that's going to invade. And they are going to be invaded subsequently by a nation to their own north, and that nation is Persia. So uh, if you have ever read the book of Daniel, we're going to read this um, in about six months here, um, but if you've ever read it before, you may remember a scene where they're at a dinner party, and the uh, the, the uh, Medo-Persian army comes and invades. So you know Daniel kind of says, hey, you guys are going to get it, and then they come in. That's what this is predicting. So the Babylonians get taken over by a bigger empire, uh, Persia, uh, and they are laid waste. And... The, the city of Babylon uh, continues on for a little while, but eventually after uh, Persia is taken over by the Greeks, Alexander the Great, um, uh, after that, it kind of goes into decline. So uh, people kind of fight over it. It becomes a smaller and smaller place. And uh, sometime after the time of Jesus, it more or less becomes a, a nowhere town um, that's more or less abandoned. So this great and glorious city, you're, you got to think Rome, London, Beijing, New York, like this is the level of city that it is becomes the equivalent of uh, a nothing town that no one can seem to find. And so that does happen eventually uh, to, to Babylon. Wow. That was a history lesson, too. It's great. Clayton is bringing it all to this episode. Some people are like, that's the part that I skip. I fast forward that part. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get back to the banter, guys. There is no, there is no way. <laughs> what other observations do you have? Another observation I have is a contrast contrasting the comprehensive nature of God's judgment versus the comprehensive nature of his forgiveness. So if you look at verse 14, take up your positions around Babylon, all you who draw the bow, shoot at her, spare no arrows. And then if you go, well, I can go down to, I mean, the next verse, shout against her on every side. She surrenders, her towers fall, her walls are torn down. Like This is describing a comprehensive judgment. And then once again, if you go to verse 20, Search will be made for Israel's guilt, but there will be none. None will be found. I will forgive the remnant. So that that stuck out to me as a powerful contrast. The comprehensive nature of God's judgment, the comprehensive nature of God's forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I have another observation. This is a a truth about God observation in verse 7. It says, they sinned against the Lord, and then there's an image for God, a title for God that is pretty unique. I don't know if I've ever heard this before. Uh, It says, got the Lord their verdant pasture. So it's using the imagery of sheep. You know, they need to go graze in a verdant pasture or green, you know, green grass there. But then the Lord is the one who's described as the pasture. Like, where do they find nourishment? Where do they find life? Who is actually their their safe place, home of nourishment? It's God himself. So there's just... It's just a striking image for God that he would be that kind of refreshing place that you go and you get nourished. Yeah, and if verdant is a weird word for those of you out there, it just means green and lush. So Yeah, think, it, think, it is think a little surprising. The, it, think about the whole, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Yes. Except in this case, God is actually the pasture. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to one of the M's in comma. Let's talk about message. What message do you guys get out of this? Uh, My message is based off of um, the connection that I made with God going after his sheep. Um, And it's it's coming off of that meme that I was talking about. It's just stop popping into trenches. (laughs) Um, Stop getting yourself caught in, 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 in messes. If you have not seen this video... It is, it is worth going and looking up. The, the, there's a video of the sheep yep. jumping into do a trench. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. After it's how would, free how from would we it, Google this? If people just, just Googled go sheep Google, jumping in trenches? You can find it. Yes. Yeah, that, that will probably YouTube, find it. something, you'll find multiple yeah. videos of it. So it's, your message is Stop hopping into trenches <laughs> and go find it. On your message is stop yes. it. <laughs> stop it. Uh, my message is God's judgment is real and his forgiveness is real. Hmm. My message is in the long run, God has a plan to both use and destroy evil. So I'm looking at Babylon. It's a, it's just a, it's a, a, a more nuanced way of looking at it. Sometimes we look at the things in the world and we say, well, God's going to have to do something about that. Or sometimes people say, well, I guess God will use it for good. And God is able to say, you know what? I can take this bad thing and use it for my purposes, for things I really want to get done, but also in the end, I'm going to judge that and destroy that evil too. Um, And so God is able to do both of those things. All right, let's take time to do the second M in common, which is meditation. And I think that that final verse in the section that we read is a really good one. Let me read it again to you. I'll give you about 45 seconds to prayerfully ponder this. It says, in those days at that time declares the Lord, search will be made for Israel's guilt but there will be none. And for the sins of Judah, but none will be found. For I will forgive the remnant I spare. Let's talk about the A and comma, which is application. What do we do in response to this? All right. My application is based off my message, stop hopping into trenches. Um, so it's to uh, assess. It's to ask myself, where in my life do I have a tendency to wander off, uh, to go my own way, uh, and to get caught in things, get caught up in things that I shouldn't, and, uh, and then to ask myself, why? Um, why? Why do I have a tendency to do that? What's in that trench that's so appealing? appealing. (laughs) Jumping into it. Yeah. All right. My message is God's judgment is real and his forgiveness is real, which means I need to get real. Uh, And I think sometimes when you, the longer you're a Christian, the greater the temptation there is to treat God flippantly Mm. or as if he's just another person. Because we talk so much about a relationship with Jesus uh, Jesus is my friend. You know, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. And you can forget that those things are true, but you can also forget that we're talking about the God of the universe. And so 
both of these things about God are true at the same time. His judgment is real and his forgiveness is real. And so there should be some healthy fear and respect for God. There should be a, God is approachable, but he's also God. My application is based off my message. In the long run, God has a plan to both use and destroy evil. And I, I think about the different postures that we can take when we pray, when we when we look at the um, you know the problems in the world, and we look at the the sin in our lives and in the lives of other people. And um, some you know of the response to that is to confess whatever sin and and, and problem there is, uh, and and say, hey, if there are things that I, I'm going through in life that are calling attention to that, then I need to pay attention, like Israel needed to 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 repent and to uh, you know uh, make things right with God. But there's also the lament side where you look at that and say, God, I want you to do something about this. This isn't right. Uh, these things that I'm going through, these things that people are going through, you cry out and you say, this is okay. Will you deal with evil? God, do it. Um, the, all of those postures, there's a complexity to saying, and, and even to say, God, use these things. Even though I don't want them, I want you to deal with them. Use them for your good. Don't let them go to waste. And there's there's ways of responding to evil that take into account that God can use it and he will judge it ultimately. Well, there you go, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.